Holy God, pray that you will fill our hearts to live that prayer. That we would love you, one holy passion filling all our frame. Our hearts would be an altar. Your love would be the flame. Father, as we continue in worship, continue to speak to us. And give us ears to hear through the grace of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Do you like surprises? And I know what your answer is. Well, that depends, right? What kind of surprise is it? Because there are different kinds of surprises. There are some surprises that almost literally stop our hearts. My, my younger sister was, of, I don't know, first or second grade maybe. Um, I just realized this morning I didn't get her permission to tell this story, but don't tell her so. Um, she, she, we had a, a visiting preacher staying at our house, and he was probably, I would guess, in his 60s or so. And he was staying in, our, in a basement, our family room, where we had a bed, a pull-out bed, and a desk and things. And at some point during that day, he'd gone upstairs for a little bit, and my, my little sister went down without him knowing it, crawled under that desk, and hid. And when he came back down, he got himself situated, pushed his chair into that desk, and she waited for just a few seconds, and then she grabbed his leg. <laughs> I, she, I, I really do believe she almost literally scared him to death. I saw him, I don't know, 20-some years later, and he reminded me of that, of that event. And I will never forget that. I just scared me to death. There are those kinds of moments. You know, it's that kind of moment that I have to admit I experienced my freshman year of college when I woke up at 8.15 and realized that I had a midterm at 7.45. Those are bad surprises. But there are some good surprises. You know, you open up the mail and, and there's a rebate check you didn't know was coming. Or you find out that what it costs to repair the engine in your car was less than the estimate. And the insurance company sends you a letter saying... Oh, yeah, we will cover that procedure. It's the surprise of, I got an A on that test. You liked my paper? You remembered my birthday? Those those are wonderful surprises. We, We love those surprises. But the reality is, life has both. And and this passage of Scripture, it it struck me as I was reading over and over this passage, it struck me that this event that we've read about in Matthew 8 this morning has both kinds of surprises too. Matthew tells us about a centurion who, a junior officer, he, he, he probably wouldn't be Jewish, probably from Lebanon or Syria, but he has authority over 
some element of troops. He carries some authority. And he, he comes to Jesus because his servant is in great pain. He's sick. And, and Jesus hears this story, and Jesus' response is, no problem, I'll, I'll go heal him. And to Jesus' surprise, the centurion says, oh, no, 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 no. You don't need to come to my house. In fact, I, I'm not, I don't begin to feel worthy of a guy like you coming to my humble house. All you have to do is say the word and you'll be okay. And Matthew tells us Jesus is astonished. I can see him stepping back and saying, whoa, I haven't seen this kind of faith from my own people. This is amazing. And turning to the guy, okay, it's done. Go home. And he goes in the, and the servant is healed. But that isn't the only surprising part of the story. There is another surprising, more shocking element to the story. Because as it unfolds, we discover that Jesus takes this this moment of healing, this miracle, and turns it into a teaching moment about membership in the kingdom of God. And so in the middle of this dialogue, Jesus says, I think, more to the people standing around than to this Roman soldier, when the last day comes and people are taking their seats around the table, you're going to be pretty surprised. You're going to be shocked at who's there and that who isn't there. And for those of you who believe you've got the kingdom of God all figured out, for those of you who believe that no big deal, be careful. Be careful to make sure you think like God does. Now it's clear when you when you read this story that Jesus says kingdom membership is an issue of faith. It's a, but not just any kind of faith, it's faith in Jesus Christ. And to a world like ours, in which sincerity is often considered the highest form of spirituality, we need to hear that. Sincere faith is important, but it's only right faith if it's focused on and centered in Jesus Christ. All religions do not lead to the eternal God. Genuine spiritual power is not found in many religious forms. It's in Christ alone. And this centurion is praised for his faith because his focus is firmly on Jesus. But as wonderful and as wonderful as the the healing of the servant is, the real story here is the centurion. His faith in Jesus to do more than the people standing around Jesus seem to believe Jesus can do. We discover in this that the kingdom is indeed about faith. Faith to believe that God can do things in a way that isn't limited by our rules and our forms. Faith that doesn't limit God to to understanding our rules and following our designs, but recognizing that God often uses 
forms and rules and designs to inspire faith. But not in place of it. So when the religious people accuse Jesus of sinning because he heals someone on the Sabbath, he says to them, look, you guys are completely confused about this. You weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. This God-given day of rest is all about being a day of joy and blessing, and nothing is more fitting to Sabbath than doing good. But you guys see Sabbath as a rule to keep, as a law to obey, and you think that's it. You've completely missed it because because you don't really believe. You're not really thinking about God. You're just thinking about rules. No wonder you don't have any faith because your life really isn't about God. And this is why the fulfillment of this kingdom meal is going to be so, so shocking and disturbing and even devastating to some of you. Now, we defend our rules for a variety of reasons, but most of the time, if not all the time, it in some way or another comes back to control. We want to control life. We want to control people. We want to control God. So we work out formulas and plans and rules by which we believe God operates. And too often, these attempts to understand God, to to shape God, to, to figure out God, become controlling and manipulating of God. And Jesus runs into that controlling mindset all over Israel. So when he encounters someone whose response is openness and faith, it staggers him a bit. Here's someone who with simple faith believes God can do anything, even if it's outside the rules we've established, even if it might make me feel uncomfortable. God can do it. The story reveals the shape in the heart of Jesus' ministry that in spite of nationality or race, of gender or occupation, of knowledge or education, of social standing, it's about faith, not rules. Anyone can follow rules. Every other religious system is about rules. But Christ is about faith. Believing however God works is good, even if the way he works disturbs us and our feelings of comfort. Because at the heart of the kingdom is a God who will not be locked into our systems and formulas and rules. I suspect that our heart of either faith or rules might be most clearly revealed by how we respond to people in need. I get the the feeling that compassion is one of the clearest indicators of humble faith. Look at this story. 
Here's a Roman officer who has the authority to order people to do whatever he wants them to do. He says, jump. They say, how high? He says, run. They ask, how long? And people in his kind of position do not pay attention to servants and slaves. Servants and slaves are nobodies. Even if they're in need, what, what does that matter to me? I'm a person in authority. They have no rights. They have no voice. They have no influence. And yet, here he is. And this powerful Roman soldier comes to Jesus for one reason. Not for his own need, not for the need of somebody's family, not for the need of one of his soldiers. But because one of his servants, one of his slaves, is in pain. And his compassion leads him to risk his reputation to come to Jesus. I can hear the other officers saying to him, what are you doing? Why do you care about a servant? Why do you care about a slave? There's nobody. There's lots more where they came from. Oh, and that's below you. And yet here he is face to face with Jesus. In their culture, in our culture, people in authority don't pay attention to nobodies. But people of God do. John Wesley was pressed at one point in his ministry to to describe what it meant to be a part of the Methodist movement. And he wrote many things, but one of the books he wrote, a small book, is called A Plain Account of Christian Perfection. And in this book, he, he describes what it means to be a Methodist, and he lays out his theology in, in, in as common a terms as he can. And at the heart of what he talks about when he addresses what it means to, to be a Methodist, what he means when he talks about holy living, he says at the heart of that is love. And he quotes the beginning verses of 1 Corinthians 13 that, uh, that say whatever we do for God is empty and meaningless without love. And in our world of disappointments and double talk and broken promises, we are called to be a voice, a spirit of love, of forgiveness and grace in a world that is short on both. I've been thinking about this a lot recently in light of the the football player Michael Vick. If you're not familiar with his story, he was a very well-compensated football player, professional football player, near the top of the game, and then he was convicted of running a a dogfighting operation in his home. And he was sent to prison for a couple of years, and he's just gotten out this summer. And there's a, he's trying to make a comeback with the NFL. The opposition to, that, to him making that comeback has been intense. The people who are part of the animal rights movement have been protesting the Philadelphia Eagles because they are giving him a chance. The media has written much about him, condemning him, and, 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 and basically opposing, much of many of them opposing this his ability to come back. There's a lot of harsh rhetoric about it. 
But there's also the voice of Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy, for many years, was head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Indianapolis Colts, and he's just retired. He's a very outspoken Christian. And he's taken it upon himself to help Michael Vick. He's busy visiting him when he was in prison. He's been meeting with him since he's been out to help him, to support him. And Tony Dungy isn't going to gain much of anything from that. Tony Dungy has a tremendous amount to lose if Michael Vick does something stupid again. But he's doing it anyway. And my first reaction, I have to tell you, my first reaction to hearing what Tony Dungy was doing was, whoa, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you connecting yourself with that guy? Come on. What he did was pretty bad. I mean, to think what happened to those animals is terrible. And you're connecting yourself with him? And it was as though in that moment, God swung this huge heavenly sledgehammer and whacked me upside the head and said, what are you doing? You who have been given thousands of second chances are holding back on giving him a second chance? What's wrong with you? I was so convicted in that moment, I have to tell you. Because I was thinking more about rules than I was about faith and compassion. And that mindset, though, about being people of forgiveness is not just something we do as individuals. It ought to be a corporate spirit that we as a church possess and live. I mean, what could be more fascinating and, and, and wonderful than to be known as a church of compassionate faith instead of being known as a church of persistent Rule keepers. Now it's important. We think about you know moral issues in our society. It's important for us to to take positions on those and to, and to stand up for what is right. And and that is important to do that. But the spirit in which we do it is so important too. And I'm coming to believe that. Maybe it would be better for us as a church to be known as a, as a church that loves people who disagree with us on issues than primarily being known as a church who is against those issues. I, it's been going through my mind all this week, something that, that Joy Moore said last week. and It was something like this. Despite our best efforts otherwise... God keeps forgiving people that we want to judge. Despite our best efforts otherwise, God keeps forgiving people that we want to judge. He's calling us to be in that spirit of forgiveness. It's more about faith in what Christ can do and it is about making sure we follow all the rules exactly right. You know, as Jesus describes this eternal banquet, it's a 
you know, he's describing this moment in eternity when we're all going to be gathered around that table. And there are going to be some surprises because around that table, everyone will be equal in the presence of God. And so all the things that divide us now will be, dis- will be gone. You know, no more Jews and Gentiles, no more Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals. No more differences about race and nationalities that we use to divide us. It'll just be people who have faith in Christ. And whether we like it or not, we're all brothers and sisters with each other now because we will be then. As we prepare to gather around this table today, we come to this table as people who are equal in the presence of God. Brought together, not by our differences, but by our faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that believes God can do anything he wants to do, whether it fits our patterns or not. Faith that is expressed in compassion and love. This is the table around which we all gather. You know, in verse 10, Matthew says that when Jesus hears what the soldier has to say, he is astonished at the man's faith. And some translations have the words marveled, he was taken back, he was amazed. It's a a strong word that Matthew uses here. And it's only used one other time in, in the New Testament, and it's in the sixth chapter of Mark's gospel. And in that in that chapter, Mark tells us that Jesus went back, it was back to his hometown, and they basically reject him. And Mark says there really isn't much Jesus was able to do there except to heal just a few people. And then summarizing that time in Nazareth, he says, and Jesus was amazed, surprised, astonished, taken back at their lack of faith. As I read those two passages, it struck me that in one way or another, we're all going to surprise Jesus. We're either going to surprise Jesus because of our humble, compassionate faith, or we're going to surprise Jesus because of our lack of faith. Which will it be for us? Is our life with Christ about faith or about rules? You pray with me that God will give us hearts of faith. Heavenly Father, this is our prayer. Give us hearts of faith.
as we prepare to come to this table, reminded of all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. You love the world so much, you, you gave him to be our Savior. and He suffered and died for our sins and the sins of the world. Oh, and then you raised him from the dead that we too might have new life. And he ascended to be with you in glory. And according to his promise, is with us always. Father, as we remember all that you have done in Christ, we pray that you will accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We offer in union with Christ's sacrifice for us. As we surrender ourselves to you, send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts, that in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be one body in him, cleansed by his blood. And go out to faithfully serve him in this world. Even as we look forward to his coming and final victory. Father, pour out your spirit on these gifts and upon us as we receive them we might be people of faith. Amen.